The Depressed Reds, a podcast made by the Depressed United fans for Depressed United fans. Please welcome your host, Ishan Lai. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the Depressed Reds podcast. And yeah, we've, we've finally got in some more signings after Casemiro. We've got an Anthony and here we go for Depravka, but we'll elaborate more on that later. We've got two new, two guests joining us today. We've got Delwyn and Ayan. Say hi, dudes. Hi, Sean. How are you doing? Hey, how's it going? Chilling, chilling. So, yeah, obviously we did win on Sat- Saturday, first game of the match week. We beat Southampton fairly. It was a bit dull. Good goal, but we, we, it was, we were a bit sloppy here and there. But, yeah, we got a rare clean sheet. Our, our torrid run of away losses has finally come to an end and yeah, a very busy weekend coming up with a game on Saturday night, no sorry, Thursday night against Leicester and Sunday evening against, I don't know how I'm saying this, league leaders Arsenal. I never thought I'd say that, league leaders Arsenal. So yeah, let's get into it. So to start things off, we will be talking about a rather mysterious signing of Anthony as in the price tag we are signing him for a total of 100 million 95 plus 5 in add-ons and it is it's a very comical comical fee that we're paying Ajax less than a month back price the price was like 60 and then it went up to 80 and now we're paying 100 I think this makes him does this make him our most expensive signing no it's not Pogba is our expensive signing. He'd be second. Second? Yeah, he'd be second. Second. Man, we could have got him for 60 million, but I'm, I mean, yeah, he's a good player. Manager wanted him, so at least that's that. He provides something different. We finally won't have to see Elanga flopping around on the wing. Like, don't get me wrong, I think Elanga's decent, but just he's still not, he's still not refined enough to be starting for us. Anthony provides... A lot of unpredictability, a very dynamic presence out wide, and yeah, I think he'll be a good signing for us. But again, the fee is something that's putting me off a lot, but that's not really his fault. So yeah, what do you guys think? I think if we don't look at the fee for a second, the player you've got is a brilliant player. Mm-hmm. He he has the skill, he's done it at an international level, he played at the under twenty World Cup, I think he was. So he has impressed in whatever he has played in so far. Now, if you are to look at any of the top teams, their wingers are some of the most important players. And I think United have lacked that department where Rashford hasn't you know, played to his potential, neither has Alanga. So it's time to bring in somebody to really bolster that position. And I think going after Anthony is a signal that the club is looking to Invest in the future one, but also try and improve that attacking output because eventually you do need, you know, proper attacking options at the end of the day. And Anthony is one of those options where he is the kind of player that can play against any opposition. He's a good dribbler, he's quick, he can come and link up play. I like that factor of him. Like you're saying though, the price is a bit off-putting. I, I can't shake the, the 100 million euro valuation, you know as of right now and unfortunately he will be judged by that metronome you know when sancho came through he was judged by the same metronome he still is so and 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 to this day yeah you know he's only scored four premier league goals or whatever it is but this is it's a step in the right direction 
it's a signing that is a statement of intent. Do I think he's worth 100 yet? No. But I think there's potential with the signing here. And you just hope that he takes to the Premier League well. And we know how much he's wanted this move. We know how much he wants to play for the club. So it's nice to see a player that's really dedicated and wants to, you know, really come and improve the club and do well. Let's see how he plays, I guess. Yeah, seeing someone not show up to training, be on strike to join a failing United team. It's, 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 uh, next level, it's been a rare sight. Next side. level respect for it's the It's been guy. a rare sight. Very, very yeah, rare sight seeing someone much. someone going on strike for us. I, I've heard I've yeah. heard clubs going on strike. I've got heard players going on strike for other clubs. It's been it's been a fair long time where I've seen a player who's so desperate to join us and no one else above for that it's, it's very weird to yeah. think of some players. Ajax when playing in the Champions League. They've got Liverpool in their group also. Yeah. And he's joining us. And we've got teams from, I think, Moldova and Cyprus. Uh, we have. In addition with Real. In addition with Real. We Sofie. have a team who's not really a team, but a figure of speech. Onomatopoeia. Or whatever they call Whatever they're called. The actual name. Yeah. The actual name is Onomia or whatever it is. But might as well call them Onomatopoeia. So, so coming to Anthony for me, uh, like Ayan rightly pointed out, a uh, lot of talent, there is age on his side, he knows the manager, he knows the manager's philosophy inside out and he's been the player that we have been looking for that on the right side, a left footed right finger and we've been looking for that for a very long time right now and it's good hmm. to, yes the price is over, over over what we expected but that's a factor of Ajax playing hardball and our and, us and our it. yes us being incompetent to put it mildly because uh, we did put a bid for him in July we put two bids in fact uh, one for 55 and one for 60 and that time Ajax's asking price was 60 so for some reason Ajax rejected it then and then once again Ajax rejected close to 90 before so I don't really I could understand the second time where Ajax rejected 90 keeping in mind that it was the close we were coming to the close of the window and they did not have a replacement lined up and so forth but hmm. but yeah so all in all it was a saga which has been a common theme for our signings this year and our transfer targets this year so it would be an, a sort of an anti-climax to have a player just coming in straight forward so, so yeah, oh, coming to his uh, player profile, uh, Anthony is a very dynamic ball player. Okay, with the ball at his feet, with, without the ball at his feet, uh, there have been a lot of questions about his defensive intensity. But he's actually a very above-average defender off the ball. Uh, he 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 doesn't. He knows when to press, how to press, and where to press. He doesn't run around like a headless chicken, and uh, he is also very good in linking up play. His forward passing. And the only thing that is a little that will be uh, polished off in time is his propensity to take long distance shots very often. Uh, in Ajax, he's always uh, looked for that extravagant long shot or that finesse. Uh, while it's while it has worked for him on quite a few occasions, there have been many occasions where it, we could have been well off, you know, uh, giving it to... Yeah, exactly. That, that's my point. So... Yeah, I'm very, very excited. I've I've loved the guy. I watched him play for Ajax in the Champions League last year. I did follow a few Devisi games as well. And he was very good. 
so yeah i'm really excited to finally have uh, a player of his class flair and that brazilian style attacker in our side yeah all are very happy yeah so obviously we had fred who decides when he wants to be brazilian and some games he loses brazilian passport Correct. and turn into one of the worst midfielders on earth and then and then we got another brazilian casemiro who's top class i'm not even going to talk much about that sign cuz i'm surprised we made we signed someone that good cuz in hindsight i think getting someone like casemiro in was more would i think would be more beneficial to our team than compared to someone like frankie and yeah so now then we have almost addressed another area of absolute calamity being the goalkeeper goalkeeping position and it's been a comedy with about the way we've handled uh, handled things we've let go of dean henderson who's who's having a great start to the season over at of, over at forest deheas already cost us maybe are you i don't know if you want to blame the first loss on him but the second loss definitely he played a very big part and we've just gone and signed a a goalkeeper who's older than Dehe and who I don't think even starts for Newcastle at this point Dubravka uh it reeks of desperation but at this point anything goes we're entering the last few days of the transfer window what do you guys think I'm not too impressed by it I think the goalkeeper sort of situation has always been an issue for my eye you know even back in the day from people like Bartes who was great and then we signed uh, Mark Bosnich you know players that haven't lived up to the billing hmm. and i think it would be a, a disservice to let dehay go personally i mean as somebody who is you know who wasn't a, a massive admirer of dehay and i i'll be honest i still am yes he's made his mistakes yes you know he's had his issues but but at what point do you any, think his his mistakes are costing us well they are costing us but then when but you have, you have like to Dean remember Henderson, the amount the amount of times he saved us and he's won our player of the year three times the amount of times he has bailed us out single-handedly in matches i mean it's the same way and i don't understand why we don't judge goalkeepers by the same metronome that we judge outfield players where you know everyone is giving scott mctominay so much hate yes scott mctominay has played below average for most of the games this season and you know last season too i don't understand why a goalkeeper can't be judged by the same metronome if a outfield player is having a really really good run of form right and has done so so well and has done you know wonders for the club yet goes through a lean phase why is it that we have to run in desperation to go and you know switch out our goalkeeper it's not that de gea is incompetent or isn't a good good no, goalkeeper he's just not the right player i think for the manager but you know i think at this stage it would be extremely foolish for united to go and you know splash big money on we didn't need to we had him literally in our club and we decided to loan him out but i remember with dean henderson the issue has always been the toxicity that he spread around the training room and you know he, he was, was one of the stars of the leaks exactly yeah. so i think it's a trade up between yes dean henderson great player Is he a better choice than De Gea for this specific manager? Yes. Do I still think De Gea can actually work under this manager? If you've seen him in the last couple of games and you may have seen him against Liverpool and you may have seen him specifically against um uh, Southampton where he came out of his box running to clear a couple of the balls. Now, I've never seen De Gea do that in all the time I've been watching United. So he is starting to read the game and pick it up and pick up ten hugs you know ideologies and philosophies 
as a keeper. Do I think he has a way to go still? Yes, but so do most of the players in this team under Ten Hag. And I think, you know, discounting De Gea right now and counting him out is a problem. I think bringing in Dubravka is not the greatest move we've made. I think it's more of a, a you know a desperation move because we don't have another keeper. I don't think you know any United fan will be happy with Tom Heaton being your second goalkeeper. Hmm. But it's it's a signing that is sort of okay. It's a player you know it's a stopgap signing just to make sure we have a keeper. And if the situation with Dean Henderson gets resolved, which I, I do hope it does, Dean Henderson is coming back to take that spot, and you could probably see De Gea getting benched. Yeah, 100%. You talked about De Gea coming out of the box and all that. I think the reason why he's not made any mistakes is the ball The ball has been taken away from his feet. Anytime he gets the ball, that we have barely played out of the back. Anytime there is an indication of us getting pressed, we just hoof it up. Get it away from our box. When we did try to play it out in, in the first two games, we got absolutely destroyed. At least now, now our indication is... No, no, that's what I'm saying yeah. is De Gea is not the he's he's not the best ball playing goalkeeper. As a short stopper, one of the best around. But when the ball is at his feet, he's not he's it's not it's not an ideal scenario. Maybe Lissandro Martinez might just help this situation, I think. Because he is a brilliant passer of the ball. I mean, if you've seen a couple of his long passes in the last few games, Absolutely. he can pass out the yeah. back. He has a wide so range. Having someone like and, uh, yeah, and having someone like him in front of De Gea would make him a lot calmer, I guess. Maybe. Tell me yeah. about you. Another reason why I believe that uh, De Gea's time is somewhat coming to close is because the game has evolved massively. Correct. A game has evolved leaps and bounds. And uh, shot stopping is not the only criteria like before now. A, a, a goalkeeper's job in the current uh, footballing atmosphere is multifaceted. Uh, you have to be adept with the ball at your feet. Uh, a lot of managers are progressing towards the style of play where the goalkeeper is your first line of attack, just like how your striker is your first line of defense. So, from that perspective onwards, uh, because it's worth it. it's interesting to note that when De Gea walked into United as a new signing, he was a ball playing goalkeeper because uh, he was Spanish from Atletico Madrid, so he obviously had experience of ball playing and you know sweeping and whatever whatever that is relevant right now. But then over the years, uh, it, it's also been a part where our defense has not been up to the mark for him to you know improve, course, to improve yeah. his yeah, yeah. Uh, ball playing abilities and his sweeping abilities where he's always been at the base of the goal line or whatever it is. So, like Ayan rightly said right now, he's reading the game better. Uh, will he be perfect in one season? Needs to be seen. At an age where Gehea is right now, not a lot of goalkeepers tend to adapt very easily and very quickly. So, that will always be a sticking point for me to see. But then, Dubravka for me is just a marginal improvement on him, nothing else. Better than nothing. Uh, he's a similar short stopper. Uh, he's marginally better with the ball at his feet. He does come out a little too often, but then more often than not, he's also erred in the situation where he has to come out and where not. Uh, hmm. And the only reason why he's been second choice is because uh, Newcastle got Nick Pope, who's arguably a much, much better option than Dubravka at this point. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And with the way Newcastle have recruited, uh, it's clear that uh, Dubravka did not have the 
did not uh, find a place in the starting eleven. So while I'm not really appreciative of the fact that we got Dubravka, I think we'll have to live with this signing at least for a year. Yeah, as Ayan had said, this is another stopgap signing, which keep which that that phrase keeps stop it keeps uh, coming up in all of these episodes. I think it's emblematic of where United are. So many holes, so we just keep plugging them in to to make sure that you know the ship stays intact. And yeah, Dubravka is another signing like that, and yeah, it's better than nothing. I don't think it's gonna really sort the situation out. Then we we got a bit into that De Gea Dean Henderson thing. I think Dean Henderson is is our goalkeeper for the future, but De Gea deserves a lot of credit because he had Phil Jones and people like. I, you, do you guys remember the defender called Blackett or something like that in the yeah. 14, 15 Tyler season? Blackett. Yeah, so he's had all sorts of defenders in front of him, and he's held his own. He's been he 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 has been. We we should be grateful for someone like David De Gea, but as Delwyn said. The game is changing. Goalkeepers are so much more involved in build-up play, and I don't think that's really De Gea's strong suit. And again, his his age does hold him back in the sense that it's very it's much harder for him to adapt. But remember, De Gea's lived through countless managers with countless different philosophies. You know, he lived through Correct. the counter-attacking yeah. phase with Ole. He lived through that defensive park the bus phase with Jose Mourinho. Jose, yeah. You know, he was literally under Sir Alex for a while as well. Remember, Sir Alex scouted him, literally. He is the only person that has ever been scouted by Sir Alex in the stadium to watch Correct. him. Correct. So, there has to be something about De Gea that tells you how good he really is because he's survived through so many different managers. Do I think he's going to be a starting goalkeeper? He's going to play every single game next season? No. But I think it's an injustice to say goodbye to such a big club servant. Club because, legend. You know, these are players that you don't get. You know, the hair at any point could have chosen to abandon the sinking ship and play anywhere else. Didn't he right? almost he, did with the whole Real Madrid fact? Yeah, he did. And, and it didn't go through. And after that, he's pledged his loyalty. He's played, you know, like a captain for this club, like a senior player, like somebody who really, you know, lives and dies for the He's band. He's paid that much and as well. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think there can ever be a question raised about Deir's commitment or Deir's, you know, work ethic or Deir's practice. No, but that's and never been that's, what that's not the issue. Yes, exactly. But this is what tells you about a player, right? When you talk about, you know, getting rid of Deir or, or, or moving on, these are factors that come into play for a manager and for the club. No, but you when know, you're in a you position like more. us, you can't look at commitment and things exactly. like that if the results aren't going your uh, way. Yeah, you said about the fact that uh, De Gea being player of the year for three seasons, isn't that a bad indication of the squad underperforming? Uh, a goalkeeper winning three or four player of the seasons in the past five, six years, that's a bad sign, no? But the same keeper who managed to actually you know, salvage no, whatever we have in See, we're not denying the fact that he's uh, salvaged multiple games. Correct, multiple so, but you have to reward, right? I mean, if, if no player... I think he has. Play, uh, 375k yeah. is fair reward for what he's done for us. But right now, uh, the past 2-3 years, I guess, I'm not even talking the past season, the past 2-3 years, I don't think he's been near his best compared last season. He was... He was one of our best players. 
but then again uh, it's the question of how long will he be able to you know uh, keep his instinct yeah maintain his uh, uh, he it's always deheya with his instinct uh, he plays with his instinct always uh, and he's a little dodgy with the ball at his feet but then i i'm ready to give deheya this season we'll have to wait and see i think we'll have to persist uh, we just we we will be just hoping that you know he gets to grips with the system quick and fast or else it could be a very dicey proposition for deheya in the next year or two keeping in mind he's already out of the spanish national squad so this season for deheya is a pretty key season in terms of his international and club future make a break. yeah exactly right, yeah. correct the world cups also there this this number so yeah he'd have to be on the top absolutely so yeah so that dubravka signing led us into a very murky argument about the the dean henderson de gea thing so now we're going to move on to the preview of the leicester game which i honestly think i honestly think leicester not enough people are talking about how bad they are this season they've they've not made any signings so far they're on the bo- they're at the bottom of the league and they lost to a 10 man chelsea I honestly see us breezing past them but again the men in red are the most unpredictable team in the world. We decide when to look like a bunch of clowns and then we decide to turn up against good teams. I never know what to expect with these guys but Chelsea no sorry Leicester are losing someone like Fofana for like 75 million and you any, any rational person would think that okay fine the window ends on Thursday we have to go and get get a huge haul of players but of course it has to be the right players cuz i think looking at their squad now it looks a bit looks a bit empty not gonna lie and i think they're in pretty bad place right now i think brendan rogers also i i think i think we were talking about the whole situation before the podcast about maybe brendan rogers not having the trust of the board members above or maybe there's just not funds or things like that because Leicester have been one of the better run clubs over the past 5 6 years because that all happened after they miraculously won the league which that in itself is a fairy tale for the ages but it it feels weird to see how Leicester have gone about their work this summer well they've not had any work cuz obviously they've not bought anyone and of course in hindsight our summer has been okay we of course didn't get our number one target franky but i think we're still coming out of the summer with a better squad and i see us breezing past them what do you guys think i hope um the, the keyword is hope i think if if we play the football that we've started to play and you know we've started to look like a team in some sense mm-hmm. then it could be a comfortable win but with this united you never know and what scares me is you know in the build up to the world cup and the scheduling of premier league games there will be more and more rotation from both teams yeah yeah so you hope that this this performance isn't just down to the you know starting 11 on the day and is you know the, the whole squad and the whole culture exactly and i i do really hope that lester bring some fire to the game because they're too good a team to be in 20th yeah i mean when you look at 
some of the names they've got. You look at people like, you know, Tielemans. Fofana is leaving, unfortunately, you know, but you look at even like people like Vardy, people like Castagna. These are players who, you know, have been brought in and have done very well for the club and rightfully have demand because of their ability. So you would hope that players like that turn up for Leicester. And especially for United, I think it would be a brilliant way to see how people like Casemiro, you know, Martial, even you think Antony Rashford is coming to form. I think it's too early. Too I, early. I don't think not against Leicester, but against, against Arsenal, yes. Yeah, I would. I would expect him to at least come off the bench in, for Arsenal because he's been given a few days. Uh, but I think Leicester is a bit early. But I think this. This this Anthony news should be very very motivational for people like Rashford, people like Sancho, because suddenly your position is under threat, especially with Alanga. So you hope that they can put in the performance as well. And overall, I do see a United win and hopefully a clean sheet. I'd say maybe two nil or so. But again, it's down to which United turns up on the day because you never know until the tenth minute. Okay, yeah. Ayan, Ishan, I have a question to ask both of you. Okay, now mm-hmm. uh, let's let's put the Leicester game into perspective. Uh, we have come out two straight wins. Uh, we've got the much-needed clean sheet. Okay, uh, from now on, this will be the start where we'll go, we're going to have games every three days. We're going to have midweek fixtures. Uh, we're going to have Carabao Cup games. We're going to have the Europa League games. So until October or the start of November, it's going to be a jam-packed schedule. Okay, so now if we take the immediate game, that's the Leicester game into perspective. Uh, do you think, as a club, we play the same eleven because our confidence is still somewhat fragile, and we don't really know which team is going to turn up? Keeping in mind that you know uh, we don't have the same level of confidence or cohesion yet that the teams like Man City, Liverpool, or even Arsenal have at the moment, or or, or do we? Uh, go ahead and make the change uh, because there is there are a lot of talks, genuine talks about the fact that either one of Varane or Martinez would be given rest, and Maguire slots back in. So, what are your thoughts on the defense? Because see, I'm I for sure know that Casemiro and Bruno are going to start. They're going to be surefire starters. So is Dalo. So the only place that is up for grabs to start right now is the centre back position. So do you think Maguire comes in? I would in? actually think maybe even Dalo gets benched because. <laughs> Right now, Wan Bissaka has to get game time. One and two, we can't risk injuring <coughs> Dalo, especially before Arsenal. Because mm-hmm. when you look at the perspective, uh, as you know, Darwin said, yes, you want to look specifically at this game, but you're subconsciously always thinking about Arsenal, and that game has more magnitude. So I think Ten Hag might have to be very careful about how much game time he gives to Dalo or, you know, players like Bruno if he decides to play them beyond the, you know, 60th minute or so. Because you can see fatigue already start to set in, you know, usually around November or so. Because of the fixture schedule, because of how much you're playing, players do get fatigued. And if you see, you start picking up so many more injuries around this October-November time. And I think United can only, only, only play risk-averse with their squad strategy because we don't have the quality in our depth. You know, I don't think we'd want to start Van de Beek. 
comparatively, or I don't think we'd want to start Wambasaka. So we have to, we have to play a, a smart selection strategy in order to make sure that a we're not getting played out of the league, and you know we're not getting played out by teams that turn up and you know people like Wambasaka are left stranded, but also not burning out Dallo and not burning out Bruno because they're going to be key players this season. Yeah, uh, I think I think the most vital part of our whole team is that backline of Martinez and Varane. And I think if any of those two were to get injured, I think we would be utterly screwed. And I think, yeah, Ayan said, we, like subconsciously we'd be thinking about the long run regardless. And yeah, I think I think we will end up making a change in the back in the that back two pairing on the Thursday game. I think maybe Maguire comes. Or maybe in. even Lindelof and comes in. Lindelof also maybe. Yeah. But I think yeah, we, we I think I, with the schedule that we've got coming up, we we need to go into we need to go into these games with all of our players with some sort of match fitness, because I think this this whole situation with our players burning out. We just look like dead men walking. I'm already getting that that sort of vibe from some of our players already, and we need to, if especially if we're looking to get competitive in terms of at least fourth, we need to have our bench players match fitness. We need people like Juan Bissaka. It's fine if he's not going to be like a demon, but we just need him to be sound defensively, and someone like Donny Van Der Beek, who I keep forgetting, plays for United. I have to like forcibly think about that because think, oh, where does he play? Oh yeah, he plays for us. That guy, if if he doesn't get a run of games within the next few months, I, I honestly don't know what will happen to him. I think I think it's been a shame what the way his his whole career at United was gone because he was probably he would have ended up at Real Madrid had it not been for COVID and all that. But yeah, we need to we need to utilize every last player we've got over the next few months because this World Cup has thrown a wrench in the works and we need to be very proactive with the way we, we go about with our squad. I think that would be the case for every team, not only us, but then keeping in mind that our team... But we yes, rely exactly. so much more on our we, 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 we have a lot of key players who cannot be dropped. That's, that's the crux, exactly. So we just have to hope that our players perform where they are called upon and just somehow manage to be fit during the international breaks. That's all that we need to hope and pray. So, yeah, this is obviously the first time we're going into a game this season thinking we will be the victors. Obviously, I was very pessimistic about the way the Liverpool game would have gone. I expected Southampton to be more of a challenge. But, yeah, I think Leicester are going to be fairly easy for us. And we've obviously got Anthony in and Dubravka coming in soon. We talked about how that would end up going and yeah we've got a fairly jam-packed schedule over the next few months and we'll yet to see what sort of toll that has on our squad so yeah that's pretty much it for this episode of the depressed reds thank you ayan and delwin thank you for having me thank you for having us yeah so yeah the, obviously with the two games coming up in the next four or five days we will be churning out episodes so yeah stay tuned for the next episode have a good one